It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host in Cannabis Lifestyle Guide. I spent 24 hours on Texas soil, as my Joycey Bear would say. It was like the solo amazing race. Public transportation, three airports, a lift from friends, the borrowing of a car, and a two-hour drive to the funeral. I come squealing in the funeral home, and guess what? I was the first one there. I found it so amusing that I'd traveled halfway across the country and beat everyone in my family to my grandfather's funeral service. My family was actually just a few minutes behind. The local VFW chapter had served lunch. Al Pierce, my grandfather, joined the United States Navy when he was 17 years old. After basic training, he was sent to Bremerton, Washington in Kodiak, Alaska where he worked in the Naval Hospital for two years until his enlistment was up. Al was discharged on December 24, 1948, and was awarded a Good Conduct Medal and a World War II Victory Medal. During the Korean conflict, he re-enlisted for two years with the United States Air Force. Al always enjoyed hanging out with his buddies at the VFW, and our family was grateful to share in that camaraderie. I ate the to-go plate of cold brisket, beans, and potato salad that the family had packed for me on our way to the graveside service. Texas barbecue, hot or cold, is one of my favorite things. I only saw my family for four hours, and it wasn't cheap getting there. It wasn't easy, and as sure as shit wasn't convenient. But man, I am so glad I made the effort. Those four hours were precious, and it meant everything to physically be there to honor Al's life and to hold space for my Joycey Bear. 
Some of the most impactful moments in life come from small decisions we do or don't make to show up for someone, to witness their story or struggle, and to hold a safe space for them to move through the loss, sadness, illness, emotional darkness, whatever it might be. Today's guest on the podcast knows all about that. You were introduced to Ryan Miller on Podcast 79. He served the Marine Corps on active duty from 1998 to 2002 as a computer systems specialist. After earning an honorable discharge, Ryan got involved in the anti-war movement, then marching for Black Lives, and then Standing Rock, North Dakota. He's also spent five years in veteran suicide prevention, first with Harborside Heroes and now Operation EVAC. I'm so grateful to Ryan for sharing his story of battling the darkness so he can live in the light and how he's helping other veterans do the same using cannabis, meditation, and fellowship. I think it's so important for us to take a look at what happens with our veterans when they come home from war. And this is an important story to tell. It is an important story to share. And I hope you get something out of it. So settle in. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one. Ryan Miller, I'm happy to have you in the studio with me today. And I'm equally as happy and excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, you are a good big talk partner. Hmm. Let's do it. I'm yeah. fired up. I know, right? I don't do small talk so well. Well, I know. That's why it's been so long for me getting you in the studio, because every time I see you at an event, you're talking to someone, and I don't want to be a bitch and go interrupt. And mm. so then I'm like hanging out, and then I look up, and you're a ninja. You're gone. And then I <laughs> spot you again, and you're in another deep conversation. So. Mm. At the uh, Mary Jane's, the women of weed, I think I, I put the hammer down. Yes. And thank you for that. <laughs> that was a fantastic event, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, Tolly did an outstanding job with that. She did. And I think um, I even recommended on an earlier podcast that people do a screening in their own community. Mm. I think it's great for newbies. No, it was a great film. Yeah. yeah. I learned a lot from it. The military part was a little heart-wrenching, but that's normal for me. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. Um, so you are the founder of Operation EVAC, and this is an it's educating veterans about cannabis. Mm. And so, what what inspired you to start that? Tell me a little bit about your story. Hmm. Well, thank you for asking. After high school, I joined the Marine Corps. I was stationed in Okinawa, Japan. From there, I deployed to Brunei, Bali, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, Philippines, Hong Kong, Thailand, Australia, and Korea twice. And I feel like we could have make a wrap out of that. Maybe back burner. It flows kind of nicely, doesn't it? And with all those countries and all that experiences, notice I didn't mention Iraq. And notice I didn't mention Afghanistan. And those are the top two places everyone asks about after I self-identify as a veteran. And so for my 20s, basically, I allowed that lack of combat experience to inform me of a sense of an unfulfilled military experience. 
Interesting. Mm. And that led to the darkness, uh, comfort eating, depression napping, alcoholism, uh, excessive pornography usage, failed careers, failed relationships, obesity, 280 pounds. What? Mm. And I had an experience where at the same time, a girlfriend left me and my Xbox 360 broke. Oh. Oh, it's devastated, right? And you know, instead of getting a new Xbox, I got a gym membership. And through a process I later learned was called transmutation, channeling negative energy into positive activity. Instead of reaching for the donut, I reached for my sneakers. Instead of laying down for a nap, I went out for a run. And over time, uh, my clothes fit better. I felt better. And when you know, negative feelings did arrive, I had a positive coping strategy to deal with it. And so I arrived at a, a certain level of healing. And at the time I was working at Harborside Health Center and the co-founder Dave Wedding Dress asked me if I'd like to start a veteran support group. And at the time I was dating a PhD and we had already kind of discussed some programming. So I felt prepared for the opportunity. And so we did that for two and a half years and we called it Harborside Heroes. And so that was the first iteration of mm-hmm. Operation EVAC. And I'll always be thankful for Harborside for incubating this, yeah. this program that we have. Nice. So you had a stint with um, veteran suicide prevention. Mm. Is that something that you dealt with personally or or it was some – okay, let's talk about that. Thank you. That's something that's always been an option for me. In my youth, even like pre adolescence, crisis in the family, crisis at school. Well, if I'm not around, I don't have to manage this crisis. It's an, I always wonder, I always wonder what that mentality is. Mm. If I'm not around, I don't have to manage this crisis. Mm. It's fear, fear based. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. And the fear of letting people down, right? Letting down my family, letting down my mentors. In the military, it's the biggest fear is the fear of letting down that comrade to your left and your right. And so, yeah, at this time about 2013 around, there were a bunch of Bay Area veterans that were dying. Kyle Crowley from San Ramon, Travis Layfield from Fremont, Andrew Dang from San Jose, Casey Sheehan from Vacaville, and Pat Tillman uh, was the Arizona Cardinal that left the NFL to join the Army, and he was killed in Afghanistan. And their deaths, their sacrifices, really informed me that my pursuit of material and economic success was empty and unfulfilling. And so... Also around that time, the study of the veteran suicide rate came out, 22 veteran suicides every day. And that statistic doesn't include veterans from Texas or California, which are the top two recruiting states in the country. So the Will number, they not provide their numbers? Why do we not know that? Because the number would be a lot higher and a lot more shocking, I think, right? So why not suppress those and keep the outrage suppressed also? Wow. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, those deaths and the deaths of my comrades all over the country 
really led to more darkness, right? And more, uh, you know, rumination of depression. And, uh, you know, that opportunity that dress gave me to really serve, it, it really, it saved my life, right? Yeah. Being in the veteran suicide prevention business prevents my own. Yeah, I can feel that mm-hmm. for sure. And it's, you know, even now I'm not, I still got my toe in the darkness, that, that light and that shadow is within all of us. And you know, just knowing that I'm committed to my comrades, I'm committed to this community that we've curated, really re- takes that option off the table for me. Well, and so now tell me how cannabis plays into this for you. How, what kind of a role has cannabis played in your, in your wellness and, you know, battling the darkness? Sure. Uh, a couple of ways. First, I'll, I'll talk about uh, pre-calculus class at Berkeley City College. This was my third attempt at pre-calculus. I'm not really a math guy. My mom taught me how to read before kindergarten, and I wish she would have taught me algebra. <laughs> so the first midterm right, was being handed out. I was sitting in the second row, the professor passed it out to the first row. Now he's in the second row coming toward me. And I feel my heart beating out of my chest. My breathing starts accelerating, getting more shallow. I start sweating, I feel nauseous. I think I'm gonna cry and vomit at the same time. And I'm a grown man, and this is community (laughs) college, you know. I can't, I'm a U.S. Marine veteran. I can't be crying in math class. And pissing down your leg at the same time. Right. And so in my backpack, I had a tincture made by Internal. Uh, mm-hmm. They're our flagship sponsor. And right there in class, it's a, it's a full cannabinoid blend, THCA primarily. Mm-hmm. And right there in class, I, I dropped it under my tongue. And immediately, it was like a warm blanket. My breathing normalized, my heart rate slowed down. I was able to focus on the task at hand. And I got an A on the exam. Well done. You know what I'm saying? Nice. <laughs> uh, so cannabis has been fantastic. And uh, another you know, short story, I was experiencing some romantic heartache at some point. And you know, I decided to kind of abstain from the herb for the day, kind of give myself a chance to, to feel. And... Because you know, I was worried if you know I'm using this as like a crutch or anything or or something to avoid my feelings, and so I, I spent the day, you know, in my feelings, and I waited until about six in the evening to smoke a joint, and you know what? As soon as I did, I felt so much better, and I was like, "What the hell did I wait all day for this for?" Well, and I was actually going to say too, when you microdose. You can feel your feelings deeper and make some mm. cosmic connections that you wouldn't have otherwise. So yes, totally. I would have told you to smoke way earlier too. Totally, and you know, it's just something else that's I've suffered from is social anxiety. Mm-hmm. I'm terrified of introducing myself to strangers. I don't have my name tapes on me anymore, saying my name in U.S. Marines. I don't have my rank anymore, telling me where I'm at in the social hierarchy. And so uh, networking is tough for someone to be with social, social anxiety. I went to a veterans and technology event uh, and I had to have three drinks at the bar before I even approached the group. 
And so I found with herb, if I roll a joint and light it in public, I don't have to introduce myself to people. People introduce themselves to me. There you go. And so it's a great like yeah, just <laughs> yeah. magnet for relationships. Yeah. I've never had that problem. Hmm. I can appreciate where you're coming from. Now, I I'm nervous to recite pe- people's names in public because I have terrible <laughs> short-term memory loss when it comes to cannabis and so I'm I'm mortified for an opposite reason networking. Hmm. Because I'll run into people that I know, I fucking know who they are, and I cannot recall their name. And so then I'm just flailing and being like, oh, hey, girl, or hey, mama, Mm. hey, lady, right? hey, boss, lady. Like, I hate that. Like, I need to know their names. It's tough. It is tough. And nobody likes anything better than the sound of their own name, right? And so I think it it is also – you know, a demonstration of vulnerability when you do say, hey, remind me your name. Yeah. Right? I know I know your name, but I'm just terrible at these things, right? And then, so, because you can try to fake it, right? When I lived in Japan, I would say, how do you spell your name? Right? <laughs> P-A-T. Right? It would be like Yuki. <laughs> Y-U-K-I, dude. It's not that, not that difficult, right? But um, so, yeah. yeah, it's tough. Well, and typically I can just look on Instagram and be like, oh, mm. yeah. Or... Once they walk away and the pressure's off, I immediately remember their name. So then when I see them casually later, I can be like, oh, hey, Linda. Right. I see you over there, Linda. <laughs> and one trick I'll do is I'll introduce them to somebody whose name I do know. Hey, I want to introduce you to, right, Joanna? And then they'll introduce themselves when I fail to. Yeah, so. that's a good trick. Mm-hmm. Sometimes whoever I'm with, I'll say, if I don't say this person's name, it's because I can't remember it. So you have to just go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah. In in Operation Evac, we'll wear name tags. And a lot of the times I'll just leave it on throughout the day. I think life would be so much easier if we just had a name tag on. (laughs) (laughs) We wouldn't have to struggle with that anymore. Or instead of, we could have the name, but I would also like a little smiley face series so we kind of know what we're walking Mm. up on like are you having a great day Mm. are you having a shitty day because if you're having a shitty day i'll approach you differently and i'll make sure i do what i can to raise your vibration Mm. you know what i mean like Like, let let me help help me help you sure and i think you know if we spend enough time with folks we do get an understanding of that vibration yes they're feeling how we can kind of complement that um, or especially yeah. not make it worse. Right? Yeah. Are these some of the things that you're teaching the veterans in, in your class, like how to how to engage and, and have these kinds of interactions? I think, sure, just that I try to set the example as well as I can. But really, they learn from each other more than anything. And the social interactions teach them how to behave socially, what's going to be acceptable in a group, what's going to be unacceptable in a group. And you know, military folks are direct communicators. And so we'll let you know if you know, you're encroaching on our boundaries. Yeah. And so um, you know, I can't take all the credit is what I'm saying. They, sure. It's, it's the community that So talk me through most. what one of these sessions is like. I mean, mm. do you get together for, um, is this a weekly thing? How often do people commune? So at this time, we meet 12 times a month at uh, five different cities in the Bay Area. 
and it's a 90-minute practice. The first hour is a guided discussion. We'll sit in circle and swap sea stories. And the intention here is to form positive narratives about our experiences, avoid the veteran as victim mentality. Mm -hmm. So I'll pose a question that I've come up with, and I'll be the first to respond. And my job as a facilitator is to get as vulnerable as possible, right? Talk about my time in the darkness, talk about ripping off my toenails to cope, talk about premature ejaculation and just as deep as I can go, right? Because what that does, it gives the listener permission to reciprocate with vulnerability. And through that, we create community. And that's where the magic happens. So we'll go around. Everyone will respond. My largest group, I have over 70 troops show up. That's so so awesome. It's profound and it's so abundant. And it's tough to manage to get folks to pass the microphone right in that hour time frame. And it challenges me to kind of limit or, you know, expand the scope of the conversation to, to support that. And we make some magic happen in these testimonials and it's beautiful. And some folks don't choose to speak depending on the topic and, you know, just to honor them and acknowledge that for holding the space is important for us too. Absolutely. So after the hour discussion, I'll distribute compassionate complimentary cannabis products. Uh, The affordability of cannabis is a primary concern for veterans. Yeah. Absent VA coverage, often on fixed incomes from disability. And I'll educate about the safe consumption of these products. And we all know about the person that had the bad edible experience and then never came back to cannabis from it. Right. And so trying to avoid that as much as possible. And then we'll meditate. I rest Yoga Nidra. It's a 20-minute session. Uh, It's delivered by Jane Leonard. She's a fantastic comrade that I I served with at Harborside. And she is one of my girlfriends, and I love her so much. And I had her on the show. She did a a little session with us on the podcast. Jane Leonard and I rest Yoga Nidra changed my sleeping life. Yeah, her voice is a dream. I used to have to use a girlfriend or the internet to go to sleep at night. And when I tried this for the first time, I got in the rack, I turned the lights off, I hit a YouTube link. And the position that they invite you to be in is called savasana. Lay on your back, heels touching, feet fall naturally apart, arms by your side with your palms up. And that's not normally how I sleep. Maybe like fetal position, maybe big spoon if I'm lucky. (laughs) But yo, I woke up the next morning and my chin was on my chest and my palms were still up. Wow. Didn't move at all. And so to empower myself to sleep without any sort of external sources of stimulation was fantastic. And so the hour discussion will often laugh and sometimes cry. Mm-hmm. In the yoga nidra meditation, we'll sometimes snore. And so as a facilitator, if I can hit all three of those boxes in a 90-minute practice, I'm like, hey, gold star, <laughs> let's get an ice cream cone. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love that. Mm, so. You. What if somebody wants to replicate this where they live? Hmm. You know, I know you talk about all this stuff is open source. Right. You know, being a good human is open source. But to me, it seems like it's it's delicate 
you know? And so I feel like there should be some sort of instruction or, you know, are you doing something to help roll this out? Thank you for asking about this. And yes, uh, intentionally. And we've been operating for almost three years and I've been facilitating nearly every conversation myself. And I'm allergic to scalability if it compromises quality. And I have identified a candidate that I'm super excited about. Uh, his name is Alex De La Campa. He's a Navy veteran, uh, special operator. And I met him at Harborside, he came to Harborside Heroes once, and then we reconnected on the bus to Standing Rock, North Dakota for the pipeline protest. Nice. Uh, I stayed out there for a week and he stayed out there for a couple months. And so he really, he's demonstrated so much commitment to our community and he's demonstrated so much growth out of his, his time in the darkness. You know, this, this man you know, trained his, his whole life really to be a Navy SEAL. And when an injury robbed him of that opportunity, mm. you can only imagine where yeah. that can take you. And so to witness so much transformation in him and so much commitment to uh, himself and to serving our community, I couldn't be more thrilled to have him aboard. And so we've attended uh, peer support specialist training in Chicago from the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. Uh, we've attended this home front training by the uh, National Alliance for Mental Illness. And we attended uh, yoga teacher training, uh, mindful resilience for trauma recovery given by the Veteran Yoga Project. And so, yes, with these trainings, we've developed a program to expand. And once we get Alex on board with the dispensary in San Jose, in the South Bay, we will have demonstrated scalability and start rolling this out to a city near you. That is very exciting. Thank well you. Well done. Thank you. No, just veterans in every community. Yeah. And we're all seeking community and recovery from our experiences. This is where we receive. Mm. <laughs> You're mm -hmm. doing a wonderful thing. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. It's it's a privilege. It's really a privilege to have found my path and my purpose. It's a privilege to serve this planet and my people. And for me, you know, as a descendant of colonizers, it's important for me to handle this plant with integrity. Right? The curandero, the curanderismo, are the indigenous folk healers of this land that healed their people with these plants before colonization. Yeah. And so it's my responsibility, it's my moral obligation to serve, to serve these people in this land. And I think that's a, a conversation that would be fun to go deeper on in another podcast. Podcast 81, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked a little bit about compassionate cannabis. Mm. And so I'd like to bring up SB 34. Um, you are more versed in that than I am. I saw you speak at um, at one of the fundraisers for it. So the Compassionate Cannabis Tax Bill has been reintroduced as SB 34. And go. Thank you. You know, I voted for Prop 64. I advocated for Prop 64 because uh, for the greater good. And troopers in Tennessee and Alabama and Wisconsin and Utah 
are depending on California to lead. And I knew that it put my business model at risk. And I was confident that I, through organizing and through advocacy, we could change it. I, I prefer to work with progress than work against it. And so last year it was SB 289 by Senator Weiner, and we cleared the House uh, nearly unanimously, the Assembly nearly unanimously, or the Senate, excuse me, and the Assembly nearly unanimously. And I was in Chicago for that training, and I was under the bean, right? And I prayed, and I, I thought I had a conversation with Governor Jerry Brown, and I thought that we arrived at an understanding. <laughs> and so I was devastated when he vetoed the bill. Yeah. Like it made me realize how exhausted I am from this advocacy work for it to just for it to just go away at the stroke of a pen. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like I'm an activist, and I considered self-immolation. Wait, what does that mean? Setting yourself on fire. Right? Shut like, the front door. Like the monk in Vietnam protesting the Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That's a, the exact visual that came to my right. head. And so, what's it going to take? Right to understand how important this is. Not that ever. Right. Just making sure everybody listening, we're all on the same page here. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, <laughs> right. So I'm super excited and grateful that as you know, Senator Weiner reintroduced uh, along with Nancy Skinner, who's co-sponsoring uh, under SB 34. And I'm excited to get back to work. I'll be going to Sacramento tomorrow, getting back on this this horse and. Really, it's it's a privilege. You know, it's a privilege, and it's my my responsibility. You know, veterans get a lot of attention in you know, the chambers of city hall and state legislature, and so it's it's my responsibility to elevate the voices of my comrades and to you know, members of the community that I care about. And so, uh, the meat of SB thirty four. Mm. What would people be voting on? It would enable partnerships between compassion programs and cannabis dispensaries to you know, store, track, distribute compassionate cannabis. It would also reduce the uh, tax barriers that you know, create barriers to compassion. Sure. Right? There's huge liabilities. If you want to donate product to me, you're going to have to pay taxes on that. And it's irrational. Right. And so for the newbies listening, compassionate cannabis is free cannabis product, free flower for people who need it and can't afford it. Or they have, you know, maybe they're suffering from, you know, AIDS or they have PTSD, they're a military veteran, and this is something they're going to need for the rest of their life. Right. And that is an expensive call. And so yeah. compassionate cannabis allows these people to get natural medicine. And that's a big part of the culture of cannabis in California. Brownie Mary Rathbun and U.S. Air Force Vietnam veteran Dennis Perone created reputations for themselves giving away cannabis in the Castro to primarily uh, gay AIDS patients in San Francisco. And you know, Brownie Mary died in a retirement home for poor people. Right? She gave away dozens and dozens of brownies every single day. Right? And Dennis Prone is like our patron saint of compassion mm -hmm. in California. And so it's carrying their torch. Right? We're standing on the shoulders of giants in this compassion world. And uh, it's a privilege for me to carry that 
uh, for, for Dennis, who's no longer with us. And to just make sure that people know that it exists. Mm. Because I feel like if you aren't in the cannabis world, of course you would want this, but you don't know that you want this. You don't know what you don't know. And so that's why it's important to have conversations with people in your community and be the cannabis Sherpa that tells people that ca- compassionate cannabis is a thing and that we really need to get out and vote for SB 34. So totally, know, these are the, these are the ways that we can help make the world a better place. <laughs> oh, thank you. And you're absolutely right. And, and creating the awareness is super important. That's why I'm, I'm so thankful to be here. Uh, you know, Luna Stower of Jetty Extracts you know, sponsored us to go to Spain just recently and you know, go to the International Cannabis Business Conference and Spanibus and that's awesome. Share our story with folks, right? Yeah. And a lot of these folks are entrepreneurs and and tech people and don't necessarily have compassion on their radar. And so to share our stories, to be in those rooms with these people that are creating this industry, to ensure that you know we have this convergence of uh, the suits and the sandals, right? Mm-hmm. The suits are the tech and the finance folks. And the sandals are the hippies and the smugglers that have traditionally uh, supported this market. And so you know, my job is to ensure that while the sandals and the suits are together, we're not forgetting about the boots. We're not yeah. forgetting about the troops, the you know, around 4% of the population that wear the uniform that serves in one of the most violent countries in the world to support all of this. Yeah. Right. And so while folks are getting head starts on going to college or starting their businesses, we're out there PTing and and killing and dying, right? So that folks don't have to. Yeah. And so the entire cannabis community has been overwhelming, abundantly generous in their support of us. And our mission wouldn't be possible without the village. Yeah. Right, to welcome us home. I love that. So you talking about that just makes me think about these veterans who you are watching their lives change. Mm. So, you know, you you're you're the one that's doing this work. So you're seeing these same people week after week. Tell me some of your favorite success stories, some of mm. your favorite veterans. No, thank you. We'll call him George. George is a Vietnam veteran, uh, grew up in Detroit. And his first experience with cannabis was in country in Vietnam. The first day he arrived, they got raided, a a mortar attack on their uh, compound. And his sergeant handed him a joint. He could tell that he was nervous and afraid. Mm -hmm. Sergeant handed him a joint and said, smoke this. And he said it immediately helped him manage himself and manage the circumstances he was in. He attributes cannabis to bringing him back home safely. And so recently through the money that he's been able to save in getting free cannabis from us has enabled him to get his teeth fixed. Oh, yay. And get his smile back and be able to eat the foods that he's missed. And so um, another quick story is uh, we'll call him Philip. Uh, Philip 
isn't a veteran. Philip is a civilian that suffered from severe child trauma, abuse, neglect, genital mutilation. And when I met him, due to, you know, he wanted to get involved in our group, I had a decision to make. Was I going to make our group exclusive to veterans only or inclusive and invite civilians to join us? And it was a tough decision. And ultimately, I decided to allow him to join us. And that alienated some veterans. Some didn't come back. And it was the best decision I ever made in terms of how we operate. Because I witnessed this gentleman, he would look at you, if he looked at you in the face, it'd be like you were the sun. Because normally he'd look at his feet or he'd look at the sky when he communicated. Mm -hmm. And now he's got a girlfriend, first time in his 40s. He's practicing speaking at Toastmasters. Nice. He spoke to our group recently, right? And so it's the best decision I made. And it's fortified two to three principles. Firstly, veterans can benefit from learning to communicate with others beyond just veterans. Secondly, you don't have to be a veteran to have PTSD. Capitalism takes care of that for a lot of us, especially women and communities of color. Lastly, if we're ever going to avoid war, civilians need to learn about the veteran experience. Yes. We've been in Afghanistan longer than Vietnam. How come? Right? Where's the anti-war movement? Where's the protesting? It doesn't exist. Why? Because there's no draft. It's not a shared sacrifice. It's not a shared risk. It's really just the low-income folks that are going. Folks from single-parent families, right? Folks from poverty, trying to escape poverty, trying to grasp and clamber for this dream, American dream of upward social mobility. Them and people who it's heritage. Mm. And heritage is something that I'm interested in too, right? My cousin uh, is going to retire after 30 years in the Marines uh, this year. Uh, My grandfather also spent 30 years in the Marines. And of course, their experiences influenced me to join. And so I'm also interested, is are these things family traditions or is it also intergenerational poverty that has a factor, right? And these decisions to join. Yeah. And I just, my only experience is my family and, you know, my few friends. Um, But, you know, I'm from a tiny town in West Texas. So a Mm. lot of it, I think for people there is what the fuck else am I going to do? Yep. And, um, but like with my family, you know, my grandfather was a colonel in the Air Force. Mm. And so that's my dad wanted to fly airplanes more mm. than anything in the world. That's all he wanted to do. And he was colorblind and they were like, you can't. Mm. And so, you know, dream crushed. Right. So it was like, you know, that was what his children wanted. They wanted to go into the military too. So I don't know if it's just in your genes at that point, Mm -hmm. or, you know, you drank the Kool-Aid or, you know, I don't know what it is, but I see it and it's, it's strong. It's powerful. I mean, and the propaganda machine is powerful in this country. We got flyovers during the Super Bowl. We got the big flag that covers the That's paid advertising. Right. 
It's a recruitment our tool. Tax, but that's paid advertising from the government, which means mm-hmm. our tax dollars go into that. So it's not like something that is being done for us to ooh and ah us. We're paying for that shit. Yep. Yeah. And I get into fights with my dad over like, you know, the kneeling thing and military mm-hmm. involved in sports. And um, I'm just like that to me is it's all the propaganda machine. Sure. So. And to be clear, I take a knee also. Yes. Absolutely. I'd be glad to go into that if you'd like to. Well, you know, yeah. I just think it's fascinating, you know, to to see people stand so fiercely on both sides of it. Mm -hmm. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm like, there is not multiple sides. Like we live in a country where if I want to take a knee in silent protest, like that's my right. Right. And you know, there's always been two sides to the struggle, right? There's been folks that have gotten sprayed with fire uh, hoses. I got dogs sick on them got milkshakes poured on their heads when they're trying to integrate the lunch counters, got berated when they're trying to integrate schools, right, and harassed and harmed and lynched. So there's always been two sides to these conversations. And I know that 30 years from now, when I have to look back on my life, I'll be thankful I chose the right side. Well, yeah, it's just like, what can what can you live with? Because, you know, there are multiple sides to the conversation. Mm-hmm. But to me, there's only one that feels right. What can you live with and what are you willing to die for? I think it's an important question, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Death is just the start of the next chapter, though, right? Mm-hmm. Am I right or am I right? <laughs> I agree with you. I think it's really just the beginning this experience we're having here so you know cannabis makes us have all kinds of far out fun conversations mm-hmm. um i want to make sure that we do the veteran conversation justice so if yeah. i haven't asked you something that you think is really important mm-hmm. that um that you want to touch on please do so thank you for the opportunity yeah and we've been talking a lot about cannabis and cannabis is fantastic plant medicine. And there's other plants out there. And I noticed that you have the Michael Pollan book on your shelf, How to Change Your Mind. And it's a fantastic book that I recommend for everyone to learn about other plants. And so I, I do see cannabis as a gateway substance, but it's not a gateway to methamphetamine. Gateway to goodness. And heroin, right? <laughs> It's a gateway to these other plants like psilocybin mushrooms, ayahuasca, MDMA, and psychedelics have changed my mental health more than anything has. More than the transmutation, more than living a life of service. Ego death has enabled me to form a different narrative of my life and form and form the lenses in which I view life and people. And so there's a fantastic film out there called From Shock to Awe that talks about veterans healing with ayahuasca medicine. And so, yes, cannabis is fantastic. Love it. And it's the tip of the iceberg. Yes, it is. And so there's veterans out there, if you're you know, considering whatever you're considering, if you're in the darkness right now, I just want to offer you hope. Right? And something that's really helped me 
be optimistic about life is knowing that when I experience grief, loss, suffering, trauma, change, that there are plants and there are ceremonies and there are healers that are available to help me navigate these emotional experiences. And I'm so thankful. Yeah, I'm going to make sure to include all of your information in the show notes at casuallybaked.com. And I want you to give me just a little piece of advice for someone who potentially has a job, which I know a lot of these people do, where they can't consume cannabis. Mm. So they can't have the THC in their system. Mm -hmm. So if, if you have someone in that kind of PTSD going into their dark place, like mm. what's, what are a couple of little tips that we can give those people who can't use cannabis? You know, I've been underemployed my entire professional career because I've been afraid to drug tests. Right? I've been afraid of these uh, options for rejection, really. And so people got to make decisions on what's more important to them. Is it their own well-being and wellness or is it this job for this company that may not have any loyalty to them so i consider that right consider a career change consider a, a change of living if you live in a state that's a prohibitionist state come on over to california there's plenty of room for you or uh, other places that are cheaper right <laughs> and also like find your breath whatever yes. helps you find that's your breath one. through yoga through meditation, through vigorous exercise, through the Wim Hof method, your breath is what's gonna always be there with you. Your life begins at your first inhale and will end at your final exhale. So just finding that breath, when your mind's all out here, when yeah. you can't get it under control, count your breaths. Yeah. And let your breath be your security blanket. Mm. Like, you know, you want to just like pull it up close to you and just like, right? Like, just really take yes. a deep breath in and like, you know, get yourself started because it's yes. so easy to just hang on to that shallow mm. breathing when you're having those moments of anxiety. Right. And I think that's another way that cannabis helps us. There's lots of ways to ingest cannabis now. They got transdermal patches and suppositories. And for me, I love smoking joints. And I think it's that breathing exercise, inhaling slowly and deeply, holding it in, exhaling slowly and deliberately. That yeah. practice, it's, it's a breathing exercise all on its own. And I think that is a misnomer that people have about smoking cannabis where they're like, oh, I'm an athlete. I need to protect my lungs. I have a pretty huge lung capacity and I can hold my breath for mm -hmm. a really long time. Right. I mean, I, I do breath work and I do it in the shower so that I can then take a cold shower after. Mm. So, you know, I make sure and hold both sides. So in case I hold my breath too long and I pass out, I don't have a huge accident. Right. But I have been surprised at how long I can hold my breath. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm just like, that. that's not true. I think it's a misperception based on misinformation. I use cannabis as a pre-workout. It expands the uh, dilation of your uh, air sacs in your lungs, your capillaries. 
uh, reduces the activity of your pain receptors, enhances focus. Um, I can do 19 pull-ups. The most I ever did in the Marines was 18. I can do 0.9 pull-ups. Hey, <laughs> you'll get there. Keep practicing. Hell no. Mm-hmm. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to do CrossFit back in the day whenever right. it was just coming out into the world. Yeah. How's that? My best friend called them our homeless workouts. She's like, why are we paying to be on the side of the interstate throwing this medicine ball up the hill, <laughs> doing pull-ups on trees, that yes. kind of shit? Yes. But I just couldn't do that stuff. And there's not a modification. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you keep going through the wad until right. the time's up or until right. you get it. and. I'm just like, well, if there's not a modification for somebody that's yeah. like this, right. <laughs> then I don't need to do this. Sure. And really, you know, exercise has been a fantastic coping strategy for me. I can't really say it enough. Um, to channel the aggression, the anger, the sadness in the rowing machine or in yeah. the, the TRX or the pull-up bar or the medicine ball, right? It's really... Uh, it's been a blessing to find, you know, to get out of your head, get into your body. Well, because too, there's so much of that misdirected rage and anger mm-hmm. on places like Twitter and mm. Facebook, and it's like, stop being a troll and mm-hmm. get to the gym. Right, release some of that in a <laughs> positive, creative, productive way. Yes, you know, a lot of people take that energy to the bar, right? You know, I've been three years without drinking and it's been the best overdue decision I've ever made in my life. You know, the long-term advocacy goal of Operation EVAC is for active duty veteran access, right? Excuse me, active duty military access. Uh, I met the Commandant of the Marine Corps in DC, just happened to run into him on the street a couple years ago. That's divine. It was beautiful. And, you know, he asked me what I did in the Marines. I said, data communications. He said, what are you doing now? I said, now I'm educating veterans about cannabis. And I invited him to consider how different his Monday morning would be as a commander if his troops were smoking herb instead of drinking alcohol on the weekends. Right? And he couldn't really encourage me, but he he got it. Yeah. Right? Because every Monday morning, he gets a report of Marines and sailors doing silly, regretful, you know, damaging oh, yeah. uh, things under the influence of I alcohol. Right. Uh, Exactly. And so when I got discharged out of the military, I'll, I'll use a quote that Alex uh, says a lot is, I was a professional alcoholic without a profession anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, choose cannabis. Definitely choose cannabis. And so if people want to just, you know, keep up with you, where would they find you on social? At Operation Evac on Instagram. Okay. Opevac.org is our website. Come check us out. Come through. And and like I said, if you're listening and you're in the Bay Area, you're invited. Join us. You don't have to be a veteran. Uh, You're invited to hold space, to share space with us in community. Uh, We need you. Uh, If you're a, a cultivator or an extract artist or a licensed vendor, uh, we need your surplus product. Um, if you want, if you're a sound healer, if you're an acupuncturist, if you're a massage therapist, and you want to support our community, 
you're invited to. We need you. Like, it takes the entire village to welcome home the troops. Everybody can do something. And it's really just a measurement of how much you care. So if people aren't in the Bay Area and they want to help, mm -hmm. what can they do? Uh, our PayPal is Ryan at opevac.org. Okay. Hey, cash is king. It is, right? And really just help us with this awareness, right? Invite us to your podcast. Invite us for an interview. Write an article about us. You know, whatever we can do to create more awareness that there are other options for troopers beyond the antidepressants and the alcohol and suicide. Right. And be willing to hire veterans. If you mm. see people that are struggling, right. ask them what they need. You know, there's the Hi, How Are You project out of Austin. And it's just talking about the importance of just simply asking somebody how they are and meaning it and being authentic and sitting there and waiting for an authentic response. Absolutely. And that's fantastic, you know, especially employment in the cannabis industry is particularly healing for veterans. You don't have to hurt others. You don't have to hurt yourself. You don't have to hurt the environment to meet your basic needs. And so I'm thankful for companies that do want to prioritize hiring veterans. And I also invite you to consider, like, if you do want to wave that flag and you do want the added leadership and discipline and teamwork of a, a military veteran, then it's going to come at a premium price also. Like, don't lowball the troop, right? Because we're in a sp space of desperation, right? Elevate us. Yeah. You know, identify us for opportunities in, in leadership. Invite us for opportunities for equity, right? Not just employees, owners. Yeah. Right? We, we need to be on your boards. We need to be, right, in your senior levels of management. And it's all just a reflection of, how important it is to you to have these inclusive uh, practices in your organizations. Right on. Mm. Thank you so much for being here and hanging out with me today. I just, this is a really important conversation and I've been really excited to, to talk to you. It felt really good. Thank you for that. We're just getting warmed up, Joanna. So <laughs> thank you for having me aboard. Thank you for allowing me to tell our story and to represent all the troops that I got behind me, all the troops that, are, that aren't with us anymore. Right? Thank you for allowing me this space to, to share our story and to, to give us hope. Thank, Thank you. you. Whether or not you believe in war or like the sitting president for that matter is of no consequence when it comes to the actual lives of the men and women who serve in our military. I hope this dialogue with Ryan has your wheels turning. Check in with the veterans in your life more often. And if you know someone who struggles with PTSD or depression, extend a hand, lend an ear, and a shoulder to lean on, but also empower them with information. I encourage you to share this episode of the podcast with them and start a dialogue about cannabis as a healthy healing option. Only light can drive out darkness. So I wish for you to be a bright, shiny beacon of hope for those struggling in your community. And if you want to add a little light to my life, 
please consider reviewing the podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I'm on a mission to get paid for this gig, so sending ears my way is a huge help. Be sure to connect with me on social. I'm at Casually Baked. And as always, there's helpful links and relevant cannabis content waiting for you in the Podcast 80 show notes at casuallybaked.com. We had a hard time together. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. La Osa is in the house capturing and editing the video version of the podcast available on YouTube and channel 203 on Cannabis Club TV. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're finding your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.